When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Slapping my penis on your forehead? Uh, no, I don't like cheese and blood on my forehead. <laughs> oh my God. Not to that mention feces, as if you're so... a top. No, Monet, <laughs> I have missed you so much that I'm going to cancel our guest because I just want to connect with you. You know, someone sent me a clip of you DJing, I think, at that Friday night party with Shaquita, and you played my song and he was like bunny loves of your song i was like i know she likes my song that was so nice of you thank you for my so i much. love it there for you by monet exchange on itunes <laughs> i just did my no, digital that- my, my digital drag fest show is coming out um uh on the third may 30th if you if, if if you're listening to this before may 30th get your tickets if you are listening to it afterwards um well sorry um and i did uh <laughs> i did a blend i did there for you into mighty real by sylvester so i say oh, wow it was oh, really cool cute. i want to see it yeah. Um, and I'm getting ready to hit the road for drive and drag in uh, Indiana, Raleigh, New York, Philly, Boston, all of it with the VossEvents.com. It's uh, Aquaria, Asia O'Hara. Got Mick. I don't know everyone. Miss Vangie. Rose. All the girls. And oh, Got Mick and Rose. So yeah. that should be a wild time. It's, it's actually, it's literally parking lots where they set up an outdoor stage. And honey, I yeah. did it last July. So stupidly wore neoprene. I thought I was going to combust because I had not been doing any <laughs> dancing since COVID started. I got up there, literally had to sit my fat ass down. But and you girl, haven't done cardio gonna... since the late 80s. So it was just a, a, a double fuck up for you, girl. I have been building up my stamina. I'll tell you something, and I don't know if you've noticed this or whether you've done events with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I did Michigan. I got over my fear of flying. Flew for the first time in one year and one month. I know you've been more, you're younger and not as successful to COVID. But so 
I did two shows the first night and three shows the second oh night. And God. I was in a, in a, in the second day I was there for nine hours. So apart from the time that I was on stage, um, I was in a dressing room with five drag queens. I did uh -huh. not know. And so, um, I have been alone for so much during uh -huh. this pandemic that I find that it is like, not only is my stamina diminished, but I'm so used to like either typing things at people <laughs> as a way of socializing that you kind of forget how to be with people. Have you noticed that? I mean, you never knew how to be with people in a way that was pleasing to them, but have you, cause I mean, I've heard other people say that they just don't, they're not really back into the swing of it. Cause when you go out to eat with somebody, it's not just like, Oh, I like the post. You're there with them for 45 minutes minimum. <laughs> Um, no, I have not had a hard time acclimating myself back into society. Um, but also, I mean, but you're also a people person. I feel like people, peop, people, people, um, have been, have been having not a hard time because we are, we, we, we easily fit into that again. Like it's not hard for us to, to, to get back to that, to get, to get back to that place. Well, I felt jealous of some loners who was like COVID sit at home alone. I'm, I oh, love I love it. that. <laughs> I, I, oh, at, at, at the beginning of COVID, I, obviously we were the whole world was traumatized by it, and we had to be locked down. But I was I was kind of like, girl, this is fierce. Also, I had just come back from tour. I had been like on the road, like literally, maybe home for like three days um, since like January because I worked the world. Like, and, and then I, I had a UK tour before that, so I was like, so I was like, I get to sit my ass down. But then obviously, by the end of April, I was like, okay, enough is enough. But for, at, in March, I was living my fantasy at home, chilling by myself, being lazy, doing nothing. I loved it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm um, that you've admitted publicly that you are lazy. Well, you, well, you know, so COVID started right when we got back from the Asia Australia tour, and I remember, um, I literally we got off the plane from Japan. Uh, March 6th, whatever it was. And then it's like the virus was chasing us around Asia. Like as, like the day after we, like we left South Korea on a, on a Friday, Saturday, Saturday, they had shut down the South Korean airports. And then the same thing happened when we left Taiwan. But it was like the virus was chasing us around. And then we were coming back to America. We were all like, girl, we're going to land. They're going to not let us in. They're going to quarantine. It's gonna Bitch, we landed. And they were like, bitch, they rolled out the red carpets. They were throwing flowers. And they were like, welcome home. We've missed you so much. I'm going up to the custom agent and he's like, where are you coming from? And I'm like, oh, I came from Japan. He's like, welcome! He's like, we've missed you, Monet! I was like, I cannot believe that the government wasn't more at Because, you know, maybe I we... I can't believe that they knew who you were. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. I'm just saying they had they had no checks, no balances, no nothing. They were just bringing us back in the country. Like, we did not just come from places that were being shut down because of the virus. It was kind of crazy. Well, I had just come from a UK uh, tour with Katya and you know what? My mother called me and said something about, you know, are you worried about this thing? I said, yeah, you know what? The bird flu, the SARS, <laughs> none of it affected me. Then I got home and saw the the craziness because when you're on tour, you're not looking at the news. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, I owe her an apology. <laughs> but Bunny was Bunny. You, Bunny, stay on the news. Don't let Bunny lie to y'all. This bitch is always on the news. Bunny cannot stop looking at the news. I do love the news, but you know, in some things, I'm totally unaware. Um, mm -hmm. Like 
Drag Race, like a lot of popular TV stuff. And also, I'm not totally unaware, but but not, I don't keep up like younger people do. And right. so, but like we ask our guest, who is the first drag queen elected to public office, maybe a girl, um, about homelessness in, in L.A. And I've also heard in New York that there's a big problem with that since the pandemic. And I mean, I've seen some of it, but it didn't look like it was that much more. And I've also uh, heard of, that there's a lot of stabbings on the train. And I feel I've like I must live in a, in a different world because I've seen all kinds of people complaining about it, not just bougie people, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, so I'm wondering, sometimes I'm totally out of the, in a different world. But it's just so. true. But also, but, but Bunny, you, you are in New York from like, from the late 80s uh, up until now. So you've seen New York grow through all its iterations. And even me growing up in New York City, like I, when I first started riding the subway, like by myself, it was when the two, the two and three trains and like, it was the old trains and had all, and they still had like a lot of graffiti on it. And even though New York was scary, I had never seen like a lot of violence in New York, like I would see on the news. So that's always been something that has never been part of my, New York City experience, but apparently people used to like run. There. People were like, you know, a lot of people are dining outside, and people are like riding down the street in like a bike and hitting people with baseball bats in the head. Apparently, that like that's happening. And again, not saying it's not happening, but I've. Oh, I, I hope they didn't get me on video. <laughs> I hit the bat. <laughs> so I, I'm I, sure I apologize. It, the person looked like you. I will say I was in New York over the week, <laughs> over the past weekend, and uh, weed is. The smell of marijuana is very present in New York now that it is legal. It is kind of wild. And a lot of people hate it. But obviously, people who smoke weed uh, don't mind. But a lot of people do not like it. Well, I'm not a fan of Governor Cuomo, but I will thank him for that. <laughs> uh, but as someone who is coming up today, we, we, as Bunny mentioned earlier, we are interviewing not councilman. the first drag queen elected to public office. She's a council member, treasurer. She's on like 17 different committees. And you know one thing she was uh, saying? Of course, I was interrupting her a lot. But we're talking about, <laughs> how, you know, Marty Gould Cummings is... Yeah. Um, uh, I'm interrupting her a lot, and I have a right to because last week my internet was cut off, so it was only Monet and Shaquita, and everyone has complained about that show because there wasn't. Oh enough my god! Me and then it. and then they're saying they were like Monet, stop <laughs> cutting Bunny off. I was like, she literally was not on the phone call. So uh, so what? You, we we recorded on the Riverside um, uh, system, and then even though someone may be cutting off like live when we're doing it, it's still recording your audio. So that's why you're hearing bits of Bunny, but we were not able to hear that. So Bunny was responding. We had no idea what she was saying we're just waiting for her to come back so i was not cutting her off it, it, it was my fault but um the uh the, the interesting thing to me is when we talked about why more drag queens don't run for public office let me tell you a little experience i had when i appeared on sex in the city in something called the prom scene oh my god i remember and, uh, buddy i love that scene and I, I remember seeing it and i was like oh my god that's my friend uh, well it wasn't my you were my friend now but i obviously i was like oh my god lady bunny Anyway, so I had one line, and that meant that I got a trailer, and it was air, uh, air conditioned. Thank God. They had hundreds of extras from Amanda Lepore to every drag queen, drag king. RuPaul you know, was tons an extra. Of nightlife people. I don't think so. I'm kidding. I'm I don't kidding. think he was. Was it? Uh, I think Ru was beyond his extra days at that point. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, these are people from the nightclub world who all you know thought, "Oh, I want fame and fortune. I want to be an actress." Yet, mm. when it came to the 13-hour day, 
that mm -hmm. we were shooting and we had to do all our little like, you know, background shots before Sarah Jessica Parker, who was incredibly radiant, waltzed in to do her quick couple of lines after uh -huh. we had full beards growing out of our faces because we were boiling hot and it was like a 13 hour day. I think those drag queens were all thinking, you know, there's no dick. No drugs, no drinks to chase. <laughs> and so maybe I'm rethinking this actress thing if this is what it is. But yeah, right. it's really hard work and there's a lot of hurry up and wait. And, um, you I know, maybe that that's shit. the reason. Well, well, maybe that's no one likes it, but you, they got to set the lights and all that crap. Oh, yeah, for so, sure. I get it. Um, and of course, we have to break for many, many meals. So I, I have a question uh, in regards to that. For that, like, did they, did they, because obviously at that point you were a very popular queen, not just in New York, but in the, in, in the world and drag. Did you have to audition or were they like, Lady, Lady Bunny, we, we have this, this, this in mind for you? I didn't have to audition. Oh, must be nice. Um, Offer only. But I love that they waited until the 13th hour for my, <laughs> for, for my close-up. And it was like, oh, girl, let me get a razor over here. <laughs> for your back, like, not even your face. You know, for the face. I didn't show up my back. I, they didn't pay me that much. <laughs> to where I turn, turn on the whole nation like that. But I will say that Sarah Jessica Parker, who I have been known to make jokes about, um, which were very nice, she is incredibly charismatic. And all of the drag queens' faces who were bitter and hot and bored, uh -huh. They lit up when right. Her Majesty waltzed in. It was what? really something to see. But that's what we were kind of talking about. Maybe is maybe more drag queens don't run for office because we come from a world of clubs and we can have plenty of opinions on social media about politics. But when it comes to actually running for office, getting the signatures, mm -hmm. attending these, uh, you know, meetings and meeting with your, you know, it's it's really not easy. Yeah, and Marty, Mar Marty does such a great job. But I remember when when Marty announced that Marty was gonna that that they were gonna be running. I was like, Marty literally has a song called "Show Me Your Dick." I'm like, how is that gonna work? <laughs> running for um, uh, a council position in like this like predominantly Dominican Puerto Rican uh, religious neighborhood. I'm like, they're gonna be like, child. Anyway, well, honey, you you gotta sing about what you know. There's nobody I would rather sing "Show Me Your Dick" to than a Puerto Rican and Dominican. Oh, what? <laughs> so can we get real? Oh my God! And so yeah, so I mean, we're excited to talk to. We're really excited to chat with maybe a girl today, and um, they can offer up uh, 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 their thoughts on Marty and and um, many other political things. Okay. Yes. Let's do it. We're gonna jump right in with our guest, maybe a girl who is the first drag queen elected to public office. She's currently serving as treasurer and region five representative for Silver Lake Neighborhood Council in Los Angeles. Maybe is responsible for forming the Silver Lake LGBTQIA Advocates Committee, the first queer focused committee in the Los Angeles neighborhood system council system. She's also a founding member and serves on the executive committee of the LGBTQ plus Alliance of Los Angeles Neighborhood Councils, which is recognized as the first city-backed initiative for the LGBTQ plus community in the city of Los Angeles. Please welcome Maybe a Girl. Hey, everybody. Hello. 
Hello, my dear. Thank you for joining us here at Ebony and Irony. I am so excited <laughs> to be here. We, we, we always have this one question for our guests. Can you tell who's Ebony and who's Irony? Um, you know, <laughs> I feel like this is a trick question. No matter what the guests say every week, Monet screams racist. So we're just gonna you don't you don't have to answer. It is a trick. Yeah, don't answer, don't answer. <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> Oh, work, work, perfect. (laughs) Now, maybe you are um, a L.A. resident, politician. You also do drag numbers and perform at, you know, local clubs. And Mm -hmm. I saw in your Wikipedia entry that one of your favorite things to perform was (laughs) impersonations of Trump's press secretary, Sarah Sanders, and oh Melania God. Trump. I mean, I know you don't have your music, and I know we can't see you lip syncing, <laughs> but could could you give us an inkling? Would that make sense to give you us know, an inkling? You of- know, I really don't. I don't think it would even make sense, especially because I don't speak. <laughs> I just lip sync, so I can't Got even. It, yeah, I'm yeah. not the best at impersonations in terms of Me either. Like. Um, you know, changing my voice and things like that. I can do the movements and I can, I'm good at um, imitating somebody's facial gestures and the way that they move and behave, but I'm really bad Mm -hmm. at, imitating their voice um you know what, the, the 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 only person i can do is whoopie because because you know whoopie she's on the view and I can talk you like say whoopie that all the like time that. and it never sounds like whoopie so <laughs> babe, as i say yeah you look like her but mm. uh, <laughs> wow so, uh, so maybe would you then would you then in uh, uh lip sync to melania or yeah. sarah sanders voice with some audio stuff mixed in i know how you young kids like your mixes yes you know i, I would <laughs> I, I would like to make a mix, and what I would do is, so I did Melania, I did Betsy DeVos, Kellyanne Conway, um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and normally what I would do is I would impersonate them whenever they did something atrocious. You know, I started to notice in early 2017 that not a lot of people were paying attention to what was happening, you know, on a, a national level with the mm-hmm. then new administration. In fact, one of the first times that I did Melania Trump Somebody had no idea who Melania Trump was. And I was like, you really don't know who the, you know, I mean, I don't want to know her, but I'm surprised that anybody doesn't, you know, that you wouldn't not know who she is. Um, So so wait, you're saying that people were not paying attention in 2017? I thought that the left, you know, from my social media feed was hyper focused on everything that was going on. And, you know, whether it was Trump's, you know, female, uh, press secretaries or mm-hmm. you know melania anything was 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 fair game well i i think i think at that time like, too, like after the election like it was like obviously as we all know it, it was like increasingly aware like in, in 2017 like he had just won and like people were like okay maybe it, it it might not get crazy but i think as we all know it just started to get crazy and crazy and crazier mm-hmm. and that's when people started to be hyper aware and be like i need to get off of tiktok and see what is uh, just click a new york times article today and see what's going on they didn't have TikTok back then, you <laughs> fake news bitch. It's in 2017. Yes, TikTok. Bunny, TikTok's been around since 2015, you old bitch. Oh, God. Is that an breaths. alternative fact? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I felt that people were in shock over 
Trump and, you know, at, at any rate, I, I interrupted you when I was asking you about what you did in your act. No, so yeah, so basically the, you know, the acts would be to bring awareness, but also to be, mm. you know, obviously entertaining and, um, you know, make for a good show. But I really wanted to bring some awareness about what was happening you know, kind of deep within the administration. And, you know, I think most people know who our president is, know who the first lady is. But, you know, I think when it comes to, you know, things like cabinet positions, I, I feel like people don't pay as much attention to things like that when they actually have, mm -hmm. you know, very profound effect on, you know, various national policies. Got mm -hmm. it, got it. And so did that you... fare well in the nightclub area where people are obviously, you know, not as cerebral and, you know, You drunk, know, actually, yes, I would say so. Yeah, people people gagged. And I, I really enjoyed the cosplay element of it. So I would make a yeah. lot of the costumes. And they were, you know, imitations of what, you know, what the Trump folks would wear. And obviously it was from z no point of support. It was all, you know, parody, satire, and you know, just being critical of the administration. Yeah, yeah. And then so so you're, you're born and raised in, 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 um, in um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, were you, have you always had an, an, an interest in politics or were you propelled because of the You know, I was, I was definitely compelled because of, um, you know, when Trump was elected um, that, you know, really wanted me to, caused me to step up. But I've mm -hmm. always had an interest in politics, um, in civics, and I actually um, attempted to run for mayor of Chicago um, in oh. the early 2010s. Um, oh. We failed to get enough signatures to get on the ballot. Um, got we got like 1,200 signatures and we needed like 12,000. But, you know, that was um, sort of a little more exploratory. When I got into politics here in L.A., it was... Um, you know, I had been doing a lot of these political numbers and people were referring to me as uh, the political queen. And I thought to myself, mm -hmm. I was like, you know, why why don't I run for office here? And I actually saw an ad for, um, you know, running for neighborhood council. And I thought to myself, oh, I could do that. I love my neighborhood. I've lived here for a long time. I'm concerned about the issues. And to give people an idea of what the neighborhood council is um, essentially in LA, there's three levels of the government. There's the mayor who's, you know, there's one of those, there's 15 mm. city council districts, and then there's 99 neighborhood council districts. And the neighborhood oh, councils okay. act as advisory boards to city council. So whenever city council is voting on legislation, we submit what's known as a community impact statement, which is either in support of or opposition of, you know, legislation that's moving through the city. Um, so things, things like that. Even though a lot of drag queens are, uh, you know, take political positions, you know, a San Franciscan a named mm -hmm. uh, Jose, Jose Saria ran for office from uh, mm -hmm. San Francisco. Uh, uh, also, Joan Jett Black from San Francisco ran for president, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. I, I met Jose and knew uh, Joan Jett Black, but there's very few of us who actually take that step and say, I'm going to take what was created in this underworld drag thing and apply it to the actual government, you know, and the, and the boards and the councils and the laws. And as you say, acquainting yourself with what various cabinet positions do. I mean, it's a whole world unto itself, which is very different from the drag world. It is, but it also isn't at the same time. I'm actually, you know, when I found out that I was the first drag queen ever elected to public office, I was actually surprised because, 
you know, I've always known, you know, drag performers to be politically oriented, socially oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I feel like drag queens are always stepping up in, in times of need and, you know, are great community bonders. So I was I was really surprised that there had never been, you know, a drag queen who who was elected. And, you know, I attend all of my meetings in in drag and, you know, Work. I get ready for that. Um, but also for me, it's a little complicated because I'm a, a trans person. So, right, you know, right, right. but I do well, really put it all on, you know, when when we have our council meetings. But in what, a, you know, what, in a way that's presentable. I don't wear, you know, my, I don't wear Lady Bunny wigs. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? What's wrong with my wigs? What's wrong they're with ugly and I, they're low oh quality. My oh my God. Um, well, I did some digging on you and I, you know, you, you are billed as the first drag queen, but then you are trans. Did the drag come first and then there was the trans or, I mean, honestly, I've looked up several different articles and I've seen these all <laughs> applied to you. Genderqueer, trans, non-binary, <coughs> trans feminine, gender fluid slash trans. And, uh, another thing is maybe identifies as trans non-binary and her pronouns are she slash her slash they. Is that, is, 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 I feel do like you think that, that is confusing? I, I mean, it, it's, it's confusing to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I could see how it's confusing for others. I, you know, uh, some of like, the term genderqueer, I would say, applies to me, but that's not a word that I often use to describe myself. Um, mm-hmm. I identify as trans non-binary. So, you know, non-binary people are on the trans spectrum. You know, to right. be anything yeah. other than cisgender is to be transgender. Um, so I actually didn't realize that I was trans until I started doing drag. And, mm. you know, I think that's not an uncommon story for a lot of trans folks oh, for who, sure, you know, for ex- sure. experiment with drag. And I, for me, I started to realize that it didn't feel like a costume. I never wanted to take it off, you know, yeah. especially, you know, working at the clubs, you know, there's those girls who, as soon as the, the gig is over, you know, they're taking their makeup off, they're changing into their boy clothes, they're walking out of the bar, you know, a totally different person. Whereas, yeah. you know, I would find myself keeping it on, you know, all the way until I was going to sleep. And, you know, I feel like it's being trans isn't just about, it's not about how you look, it's about how you feel on the inside. And I feel like, yeah. you know, when I'm in drag, I feel closer to my gender identity than when I'm out of drag. Well, well, can you can you can you can you also talk talk about that experience of having um having your experience as a as a um ch- uh, as a trans non-binary person and running for because I imagine it is different running in Chicago in, in L.A. than in Chicago. So so totally. did your did your did your <laughs> gender um identity uh uh inhibit you anyway in California to run? You know, I, it actually um. You know, when I decided to run, you know, maybe a girl, surprisingly, is not my legal name. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when I, I ra- do not believe you. Can you believe that? <laughs> no, I don't believe you. So when I ran for local office, they, um, you know, on the, the paperwork that you have to fill out, you put in your legal name, but then it also has a spot where, you know, the name that you want on the ballot. And I, I thought mm-hmm. to myself, well, more, more people here know me as maybe. And, um, you know, one of the things that kind of bothered me after I won my, my seat was that, uh, I, I, I got a, a fairly decent amount of press from, you know, different like magazines and like news agencies. And mm-hmm. they all focused on the drag elements. It was like, oh, the drag queen, the drag queen, the drag queen. And, you know, I kept trying to explain to everyone that, you know, drag is what I do, but trans is who I am. 
And, yeah. you know, I think it's much more important that, you know, you have a trans non-binary representative than say, you know, than the fact that I'm a drag queen as a representative. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and why is that? Because there are so- Because it's an identity thing. Um, you know, there are so few um, trans uh, and or non-binary people who are in office, and yet there are so many, you know, trans people. And how can we really trust that that we are being represented by our government when when we're not a part of the government, when the government, sure. you know, doesn't even understand us. And I a think- A seat at the table. You know, exactly, a seat at the table. Okay, so I'm going to play devil's advocate here because, of course, I agree with, you know, the, the idea of representation, and it is, a, it is an important step. But we do also know that identity is very cynically uh, weaponized. Often, the, the, the Democrats will use the identity. So, yes, there will be a seat at the table, but as a black friend of mine says, all skin folk ain't kin folk. In other words, you can be black like me and not add, you could be selected by the machine to say, yeah, you got a seat at the table, aren't we great? All this kind of stuff. But you're not, you, you don't really legislate or act on behalf of your people in, in all circumstances. Because, hey, when you've got a, a political system that's run by money, it's going to act for the people who can, you know, pay lo lobbyists or have lobbyists pay them or you know rich people who can give huge donations so you know until uh, you know I, what, what do you think of that I think I'm not you... denying <clears throat> representation is important of course I'm not I would I'm one that would like to be represented and traditionally has not been I think you're absolutely uh, correct I, I totally agree with you because you know there you do see diversity when it comes to it in the government, but it's exactly like you say, it's the kind of tame diversity, the kind of palatable diversity in terms of being a leftist or being on the right. More more times than, than not, it's somebody who is in the center. And, mm -hmm. you know, the status quo does everything that they can that they can to protect the status quo. And so, yes, we do see diversity in the government, but, you know, is it the kind of diversity that's going to help? help those kinds of people. Like even for instance, Pete Buttigieg, you know, people were so excited about him because he's gay. And I don't think that's a reason to vote for somebody, you know? I wanna know about the policies. I wanna know about what you think. Yeah. And, you know, middle of the road policies do not help everybody. They, you know, they help a select few. They help um, mostly people, you know, mostly wealthy people. And, you know, that's why I, I, I'm a progressive, you know, because I wanna see policies and in laws that that help everybody in our nation and, and especially help the most marginalized. You know, those are the people that need help. And, you know, that's why we need things like Medicare for all and a Green New Deal, because because we're not seeing the kind of um, we're seeing the representation, but the representation isn't necessarily fighting for the people of the group that they belong to, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, sure. you know, for example, Pete Buttigieg did not support Medicare for All. There was a New York Times article where he and Pelosi and other Democratic mm -hmm. leaders, you know, were nervous about Bernie's success in the primary and were had a stop Sanders meeting because so many Democrats from Joe Biden on down and Pete Buttigieg, they were the top 
two recipients of uh, insurance money, you know, I'm gay and I need health, cheaper health care. You know, some people think that this that, that the country was a laughing stock because of Donald Trump. I would agree. But it's also a laughing stock that our medicines cost more than anyone else's and that we get worse health outcomes. You know, we pay more for the same services and that every other developed nation has some version of uh, you know, state-run healthcare. I mean, Medicare for All isn't even as far-reaching as what they have in Canada. <laughs> you know, so, mm -hmm. so many times in the media they'll say, oh, you want to turn the U.S. into Scandinavia or, you know, Cuba. No, honey, it's exotic, far-away Canada. You barely even need an ID to get there. It's not some, you know, I mean, it's like mm -hmm. we are behind, woefully behind the times. And this hits upon so many issues that are important to me, like people of color being act impacted most by COVID because they do yeah. not have access to healthcare. Well, I wanted to switch gears a little bit because you, cause you talked a little bit. You talked a little bit earlier about um, why uh, maybe more queens don't run, and I feel like it's because um, you know drag is 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 submerged in nightlife culture, and you would think that being in nightlife would, I think, deters a lot of queens from running because you know nightlife is gritty and it's grimy, mm -hmm. and when you mix that with drag, it's like who knows when you run, like what, you know what I mean, like uh, 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 like what. And again, not not anything uh, salacious may come out about you, but just like the things that people will pair you because you are a totally, drag queen. Totally, totally, so, yeah. So was that a thing for you? Was that a factor in your running? Like, did people bring out a number you did five years ago? You know what I mean? Like, how, how you did know, that all, all I, No, actually, I, um, I'm really surprised at how much um, support I got from my uh, my community. And I, when I say community, I don't mean the the queer community. I mean, like, my actual physical community that I was mm. elected into. And even the people that I, um, I've been happy that it's been a really respectful experience. And every, even the people that I disagree with on issues and policies are still respectful of my, of my gender identity and the fact that I'm a drag queen. And we actually, you know, I ended up having a bunch of fundraisers as a, you know, as a drag queen, you know, during my mm -hmm. uh, political run. And, um, you know, and that, but that's for my local position. Um, I, you know, I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but I'm I'm running for Congress as well. This is my second time running for Congress. Um, I'm running Good in work. California District 28, which is the Hollywood area, and um, during my and first also congressional the area run. Of a, mm -hmm. it's, it's Adam Schiff's uh, area, and you ran was it in 2019 2020. or 2020, and came in third. Mm -hmm. So I ran in 2020, oh, wow. and uh, we ended up losing the primary election by less than 1%. Um, if we'd only gotten 1,115 more votes, we would have advanced to the general election. Um, so that was, you know, extremely exciting for being this, you know, amateur rookie campaign, um, you know, the drag queen, the trans person running for office, uh, but the thing is, I don't want people to vote for me because I'm a drag queen or because I'm trans. Right. I want people to vote for me because of the policies that I want to enact, um, you know, on a national level. Again, Medicare for all, Green New Deal, um, <clears throat> abolishing ICE, um, free college, you know, all of the good stuff. And these things are not, they're, people, tr people 
treat them as if these are like fantasies. But as you mentioned, Lady Buddy, <laughs> it's crazy. You know, Medicare for all, you know, having universal health care is not an extreme idea. It's actually it's a very humane idea. All of my policies are rooted in humanity and the, the fair and kind treatments of humanity. And we don't see enough of that in politics. What say and, you and, and, about 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 the current um, administration and and a lot of their promises they made to America um, during the be, before the actual election that they have not come through on? Like, what say you to them? Totally bogus. Um, you know, I've I did vote for Biden um, only because you know I was desperate to get Trump out of there. Um, Biden right. was probably one of the last choices that I would have made, you know, if you think about how big the pool of candidates was for, mm -hmm. for 2020, um, you know, I was a Bernie Sanders fan. Um, Biden was, was one of the last ones that I wanted to win out of the Democrats. And just because he's, um, he's just too status quo. Um, you know, the guy's been in office for decades and his policies just don't reflect my values. However, his policies more so reflect my values than Trump's policies did. Right, uh, right. But again, the status quo does everything that it can do to protect the status quo. You know, Lady Bunny, you mentioned earlier how, you know, they they had a meeting around like Super Tuesday to, you know, to make sure that Bernie Sanders was not elected. And, um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't hate Biden, but I'm just I'm not a fan at all. I, I know people were really, really excited and relieved when he was elected. And, you know, I was, too. But again, you know, we're, we're seeing that the very meager promises that were made are not even being met. Um, you right. know, they were meager promises, if anything. And, you know, we're not seeing a $15 minimum wage. We're not seeing a public option on, um, you know, for health insurance and. <clears throat> And the one thing that really, really irks me is um, our defense budget is, you know, it's astronomical. We spend over $700 billion a year on defense when, again, we don't have, you know, universal health care. It just doesn't make sense to me. And any middle of the road Democrat is going to ensure that that happens. In fact, there's very little difference between, you know, Biden, you know, Biden being a centrist. Um, there's it, it's pretty much GOP light. And same goes for the congressional candidate, uh, the congressional person that I'm running against, Adam Schiff, very wait, middle wait, of the wait, road. Wait, so, wait so, so you're saying that Biden is GOP light? Like he's so so you're <laughs> saying that Biden's policies and who Biden is are closer to well, not uh, are yes, are, they are. are. They are closer. They GOP are closer. Then so are are closer to the GOP than to the um uh, um than leftist values. Uh, yeah, oh, I would sure. argue that mm -hmm. because leftists, somebody who's a leftist does not want to be spending $700 billion annually on the military. You know who does? The right in the middle. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, I I mean I, 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 go ahead, Ben. No one's attacking us. <laughs> and I don't want, you know, like you, I'm a pacifist. Um, you know, I find it shocking um, and I think Americans' heads are in the sand uh, for two reasons. How are we going to have Republicans who all want war and then have a Democratic Party that's the opposition and elevate Hillary Clinton, 
who supported the Iraq war and Joe Biden, who supported the Iraq war to lead the opposition. That's not an opposition. I mean, n not only that, I don't care if, you're, if your head is in your ass and you don't care anything about foreign policy or really know what the government is doing. War is an economic issue because as you said, we spend so much on war and not on health care, not on education. I believe that we would have less Trumps if we spent more on, you know, education. I believe, you know, even when I was growing up, we had little things in between Saturday commercials that, you know, like little jingles like, I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And on I'm Capitol sitting Hill. here on Capitol Hill. <laughs> and it just gave us a clue about, you know, from childhood, you know, this is about how stuff worked in government. And it didn't make us feel so foreign from government. And, you know, I wonder as a Bernie Sanders uh, uh, fan, like AOC ran because of Bernie Sanders. One of his messages was, you know, be the change you want to see. You get involved in the government. And a lot of people did. But I think to see someone of your age do that, like AOC's age, it really is, you know, inspiring. I mean, yes, we, we do have to get involved unless we just want to grumble and we do have to make, you know, demands um, or we're not going to get our demands met. The squeaky wheel, you know, gets the grease. And so I'm what they would call far left, you know, uh, f but, further but on left. on that token, that I just feel like it's a little strange to say that Biden's policies are closer to the left. Like when you like consider things like like gun rights and you consider things like social issues like um, queer marriage, like I, I mean, his values don't align with rightist values on that. So I mean, again, the, I, I do agree. There should be there should be there there should be right. But again, but that's but that's a that's a part of the picture. So to paint it's with a, like it, a broad it stroke. A it's too. It's, it's a big part of the picture. So to paint with a broad stroke that it is just like right in values, I think that's a little that's a little wild. Okay, but but you got to admit that economically, he. Okay. I mean, they're saying they're saying that Joe Manchin is holding back. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that the Democrats want to get through. Joe Biden politically is not very different from Joe Manchin. Maybe like, what do you think about playing the long game? You know what I mean? I, I get it that we want to see a lot of these things. And in my opinion, yes, they should happen expeditiously. But again, again, I'm not a politician. I'm not I'm not I'm not submerged in, poli in, in politics. I don't I don't study politics like 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 obviously you do maybe and like Bunny does. But what do you say to the long game of like playing the long game so that these things happen? Yes. Like which, which which was the idea behind not passing the 15 minimum wage because they're trying to get other things done? You know, I think that they they count on people not really knowing a lot of the specifics. They count on people sort of um, not really paying attention. And you know, talking about, you know, long term, you know, we've been we've been having this conversation about Medicare for all since, you know, the early 90s. You know, this has been right. a conversation, you know, decades in the making. So, right. you know, we want it now, but we've wanted it now for a very long time. And yeah. Um, and if so, it had kept up with the wage had kept, minimum wage had kept up with cost of living, it would be 24 dollars an hour. So let's say, um, you know, your your campaign for Congress goes well and you are uh, and you do you are elected as, as a member of Congress. How how what how will you affect change to help us pay for our student loans and for us to get free some some health care up in here? 
totally. Um, well, I'm I'm an advocate for canceling student debt and an advocate for uh, for free college. So, um, you know, I would be interested in um, sponsoring or co-sponsoring legislation that you know that would actually bring that to us. Same goes for for healthcare. Same goes for um, for abolishing ICE and for I will tell you this: I wouldn't vote for <clears throat> to authorize a seven a seven hundred billion dollar defense budget. So, you know, basically when it comes down to it, your vote matters whenever you're a representative. And I, I can say that, you know, even in my local position, I'm proud of every single vote that I've, that I've made. And those votes have made, you know, change here locally. And on a national level, we need to see, you know, these are things that are, like I said, they're not, they're not fantasies. These are things that that we need to survive. Uh, And especially, you know, when it comes to like, you know, when it comes to the climate and, and uh, instituting a Green New Deal, you know, people sort of, I feel like there hasn't been a lot of conversation about it recently. And I don't know why, because it's one of the most dire, urgent things that we need to be doing is taking care of our environments. And again, you take a look at who the donors are for, um, you know, most of the Democrats and Republicans who are in, in office, and you can see how their donors are people from, again, the pharmaceutical industry, the defense industry, fossil fuel industries. How would Banks. you, how could you actually Banks, believe that they would- the economy. <laughs> yep, exactly. How could you actually believe that, that your representatives would vote against their donors, if that makes sense? Money talks. Yeah. And if you, for instance, the, um, chal- the person who I'm challenging, Adam Schiff, you know, he has voted for every war measure since about the year 2000. He's voted for every- uh, increase of the military, uh, and then you take a look at who his donors are, and their war, uh, their um, defense contractors and weapons makers. So he's voting along the lines of his donors, rather than voting in a way that the district actually feels. You're supposed to be a representative of the people who vote you in, not the corporations that fund your campaign. Can you talk to the situation at the border? Like, what is going on currently? You know, that's even another area where it's hard to tell the difference between what's happening now in the Biden administration and what was happening in the Trump administration. You know, mm-hmm. um, parts of the wall are still being built. Um, you know, there's this huge really? crisis. And uh, here in L.A. Kids in cages. Kids and kids, ca- in kids are still in cages, and you know it, that's it's really important to me here, especially because LA has such a, you know, such a large Latinx population, and right. you know many of them immigrants, and um, you know just seeing how families have been torn apart, and just sort of the underhanded, uh, the underhanded way that you know ICE will detain folks, you know, folks who have lived here, you know, most of their lives. Um, you know, we had a resident here in Silver Lake um, who was um, recently detained in, um, by ICE, and his uh, daughter came and spoke to us at our one of our neighborhood council meetings at our um, committee on police reform meeting, and it was just so tragic hearing, hearing about how her father, how she might never see her father again, and... You know, you hear all these stories about, oh, you know, it's it's about drugs and crime and blah, blah, blah. But a lot of these people that that ICE are detaining are people just trying to get by, people trying to live their life and and have the same opportunities that we all want for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let me play devil's advocate. (laughs) Let me play devil's advocate, because so 
yes, it's sad to see that someone is just trying to live their life and they're being yanked out of the country away from their family. Of course, that's sad. But don't people who know that that can happen because they have not uh, legally uh, you know, moved here, know that that's a possibility. I mean, you know, th this is what, th this. you know, immigration is so unbelievably complex and I do not know everything about it, but here's what I do know. Obama deported many more than his Republican predecessor, George W. Bush. Help us to make sense of, of, of immigration. And what would you say to someone who's, who says, okay, so my big question is, if I wanted to migrate somewhere, I would probably do it legally because, or does that require resources that these people don't have? I mean, I know it's super complicated. And I also know that a lot of the immigrants coming from Honduras in this latest wave, well, we support coups that overthrow their governments and lead to uh, situation where gangs rule the streets and where uh, Hillary Clinton was involved in one in 2009 and plunged the countries into chaos. So uh, help, help, I know I'm ranting, but help me make sense of this and, and what both parties are saying versus what is the real situation. You know, um, I don't know exactly what the process is like to, um, you know, to, uh, to immig uh, immigrate here, but <clears throat> from what I know, it's not simple. And, um, you know, I do imagine that there's fees and there's a lot of, you know, red tape. And, you know, anytime you deal with a, a government agency, it's very bureaucratic and there's a lot of obstacles and it's not as easy as it should be. So, so I'm not exactly sure um, about that, but, but, you know, for me, I'm really interested in abolishing ICE because of the you know, just the fact that we, we, we need less policing, not more policing. And, you know, ICE is a form of, of policing. And, and, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's so speak I, know, I know that it's a progressive, uh, situ uh, you know, which I am to, to say abolish ICE. I do not know much about it, but I did watch something on CNN. The guy could be a liar. He was a former head of ICE, but this was when Trump was going around and rounding up people. Um, you know, was it was it three years ago? And and there was alerts everywhere. Some cities like New York were saying we're a sanctuary city, but the guy, the former head of ICE, said that they are rounding up people who had were given two opportunities to check in. With, and, and, and with the government and say, yes, we're still living here, or they, there was some crime in their record. Now, is it unreasonable to ask that they check in if they're living in a country where they're not citizens? Absolutely, because uh, if you come here, because because you know what's because they know what's going to happen. They're they're, they're going to check in. They're going to fucking arrest them, and they're going to deport them on site on in the on well, the then, spot. Well, so, but then how do so many people work here and pay taxes for years? And that's one of the arguments for immigrants staying here is that they because are during, productive. 
And and maybe maybe um, correct me if I'm wrong, but during that time, that during the time that the government was asking people to check in was check in was under the Trump administration. And why would anyone who was an immigrant, after all the things that he had said, want to check in with the government? That to me, I like that. It sounds crazy. That 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 sounds like some handmade shit. Come, hey, if you if you are if if you are fertile, just come and check in with us. We just we just we just we just want to make sure that that you can still deliver babies. And then cut to they arrest you as a handmaid, and now you are. And again, obviously, handmade sale is fiction. But I'm just I'm just drawing a similarity that people listening may 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 make uh, a comparison to. It just doesn't make any sense. You know that even affected like the you know the census um, because you right. know there was going to be that citizenship question, and you know I really think that affected um, who participated and who didn't participate, especially here in California. Um, if you didn't know, California's population. Um, did not grow at the same rate as a lot of other cities or a lot of other states, rather. And we ended up losing one of our uh, congressional seats oh, yeah. as a result. And yeah. I do think that a big factor of that is I, th- I think that I think the state was undercounted. And I think that there was a lot of fear around participating in the census. And there's a yeah. lot of fear around, you know, being um, undocumented and what the repercussions could be. And so, so yeah, so I'm not surprised that, you know, that some people might not want to participate in these check-ins. Yeah, for sure. Okay, but but you're in a country where you illegally immigrated and you don't want to follow the rules and then you're going to be mad that you're deported? I don't understand Um, that. If If I wanted to go to another country, I would follow every single rule. But some people don't have that luxury to follow. But but also, Bunny, you come from a place where where you where where you where you can do that. A lot of people, a lot of people who are coming here, are you if if you emigrated to a country, Bunny, I would I would think that you're not doing it because it's your last resort. You're doing it because you want to. These people aren't coming to America because they want to. They're coming to, they're coming here because they have no other choice. Mm-hmm. Well, then let's stop making their countries hell. And you know the 2009 <laughs> coup in Honduras that the U.S. government and Hillary Clinton helped in. We can't make their lives hell. Where do you think all the immigrants that are going, uh, leaving the Middle East because the U.S. has destroyed the Middle East and there are, um, you know, there are immigrants coming from Yemen, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, all places that we are selling New bombs Jersey? to. I'm kidding, I'm or, kidding. <laughs> that's fresh meat. Anyway, <sighs> yeah, I, I, I just, I, I don't, I, I, I I, I don't understand the, I, I don't understand, both sides seem to be contradicting themselves, and I, that's one thing as a progressive that I don't fully understand. Well, you we know, are wrapping on a time, and before maybe Lee's, I need to ask her, how did Grimes endorse you? Now, I'm not a huge <laughs> Grimes fan, but socially, like on social media, I'm like fascinated by Grimes and her and their their life with Elon Musk and their uh-huh. baby how, has like how did Grimes you know it was so it was so random I didn't even I don't think we've ever actually even been in contact but Word. they did a um they did like a YouTube thing with um do you know Hannah um yeah yeah so, the, yeah so they were the talking singer. about they were talking about oh you know who who are you gonna vote for this was like you know again during the 2020 uh primary and they were they mentioned me and they were like oh we're Big maybe a girl fans were voting for me, or well, actually Grimes can't, but you know they supported me in my run. Right, right, and and, and Sarah Silverman as well. Yeah, the reason I found out about that is uh, she had posted her um, her ballots um, like on her Instagram stories, oh, and she word. was like pointing out that she voted for Bernie, but then I also saw that she had voted for me, and I was like, yes, come on. 
<laughs> work, work. Love Sarah so And so, so naturally, uh, you will be supporting Caitlyn Jenner because she is trans and representation is so important. That is incorrect. Um, <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> uh, see, that's, that's such a great example of how just because we have a trans person doesn't mean that it's the right trans person to be, right, right. To be in office, you know? Or a trans person who represents, you know, other trans people even, because she came right out the gate saying that trans people shouldn't compete in mm -hmm. uh, sports or, yep. or, or, or whatever. Girl, I mean, Caitlyn's crazy as hell. Not even, not even Caitlyn's own children are going to support her. They're like, you know? they're like, they're like, Mama, you are crazy, and we do not endorse this bullshit. Mm-hmm. Is there, is, there, I mean, is, is there anything that you want to touch on maybe that we haven't? You know, yeah, I anything. feel like we, it's so hard because there's always so much I want to say about all of the different issues. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I guess just I hope people will, you know, look into our policies and, you know, visit my website, maybe a girlforcongress.org. Um, please support us. We need donations. We need volunteers. Mm -hmm. And it's a, you know, it takes a village. Um, it's really hard to run for office. It takes a lot of um, a lot of guts, takes a lot of time, takes a lot of money, and we need help with a lot of those things. So um, you can also visit us uh, on Instagram at maybe a girl or on Twitter, maybe underscore a underscore girl. Marty Cummings is running for uh, for city council in New York. City council. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm loving, loving seeing so many drag folks get into politics. And of course, we've got. Um, uh, Honey Mahogany up in San Francisco, who's doing oh, a yes. lot of Oh yes! Oh my god, I forgot work. about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, work. I think she was just maybe, elected. Maybe, to maybe I should run for I should run for senator of of uh, of of somewhere. I think you should. I think you should. <laughs> I imagine. I, I'd it vote be for a you. Mess, you should girl. run for office in Syria. <laughs> oh lord, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Now, a lot of your work is to do with the homeless. That's mm -hmm. been a focus of yours. Absolutely. And let me just ask you, because um, what has changed with COVID? I mean, I can't even imagine. You, oh, you know, I, I, I've heard things, you know, that, 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 I mean, obviously we're in a time of economic downturn, so there may be more homeless people, but um, what is going on? It is, especially here in Los Angeles, <clears throat> it's, um, it's so, so sad and unfortunate. Um, we have yeah, been in crazy, LA, yeah. homelessness has been increasing um, yeah. by a double digit factor every single year for as many years as I can think of. Um, wow. And so it was double already digits? double digits. Yeah. Double digits every year, every year for at least wow. the past four, at least the past four years. Um, in LA, they do an annual census of our unhoused, um, community. And it's like a, or it's like a, a homelessness count and it's a time and place count. And they do it every January. The results are usually released in May. And I think last year homelessness increased, um, I, somewhere around 12, it was, I think 12%, somewhere around 12%. But if you think about that, that's just, it's insane. Um, you know, there's 60,000 unhoused people living in Los Angeles on any given mm -hmm. night. And, you know, four or five, four or five homeless people, unhoused people are dying every single day. And um, so the results, the um, census results were actually before the pandemic. And they didn't do, they didn't do a, um, one of these censuses 
this year just because of the pandemic. But I'm so curious to see. But I just I just know that the numbers are going to increase even more. I mean, there are protections right now for renters, but they're so temporary and so limited. Um, when these programs expire, I think we're going to see a massive amount of people who are living on the edge right now, um, you know, become unhoused and it's one of those things here in LA where I would I would challenge you to find a single person in this city who doesn't believe that homelessness uh, is an issue. But it's the question is how do we address and, and tackle and alleviate homelessness? And for some people, they just want unhoused people out of sight, out of mind. You know, the NIMBYs, the people who just don't want to see unhoused people. That's what happened in Echo Park when Councilmember Mitch O'Farrell expelled you know hundreds of people who were living at the park. And, you know, they put them into these temporary programs. And the thing is, we need permanent supportive housing. Otherwise, homelessness, it, it's a cycle of homelessness. You get put into temporary housing. And then unless you are given, you know, permanent supportive housing or, you know, mm -hmm. permanent services, you can expect to see a lot of people back on the streets again. And it's just the whole thing is so inhumane. And the way that I see people talk about and and just and treat unhoused people. It's so disgusting to see people treat the most, you know, marginalized people in, in such a way. And if you look at who is who's most affected by homelessness, you know, it's the black community. It is queer people. And, you know, it's a lot of people who are already marginalized at the unhoused factor. And, you know, it, it, there's a very little hope in, you know, surrounding some of these things. Um, you know, people ask, what's the solution? The solution is permanent supportive housing. And if we don't have that, you can't expect people to not be unhoused. And, yeah. and, and so San Francisco also has a big, big issue with it. New York's, uh, you know, people are complaining here about the homeless as well. But California, unlike New York, is a temperate climate. So you can actually live outdoors all year long. But if the numbers in L.A. are increasing by double digits every year, well, this is a blue, blue state of California in a blue, blue region. What do we do? I mean, when you're talking about permanent housing, you're talking about a lot of money. What what are we talking about here? You know, we are talking about a lot of money, that's for sure. But here in L.A. specifically, um, you know, I was so disappointed to see that our mayor, Mayor Garcetti, did not um, accept or apply for any of the FEMA money that was offered to put people who were experiencing homelessness during the pandemic into temporary hotel housing. Uh, FEMA was going to fully pay for this, and and uh, the Garcetti administration didn't even bother applying for any of this money. So there's already options that are that are available, um, and you know, with this temporary hotel housing thing, it just it's not a long term solution. The city and the yeah. state pour a lot of money into temporary short term solutions when homelessness is one of those issues where you really have to think about how do we solve this long term? Because it's something that's always been and will continue to always be, you know, unless unless we come up with permanent supportive housing. You know, what does that look like? That looks like, um, you know, seizing hotels um, that are, you know, not performing well and and turning them into permanent supportive housing. Okay, let me ask you uh -huh. something, devil's advocate here. 
I own a hotel. The government determines it's not doing well and seizes it. I mean, I'm not a Republican, but if I were, that would sound like the most socialist thing on earth. (laughs) You know, it definitely would sound like that. Um, I mean, I'm not saying don't compensate hotel owners for, you know, for their property. Yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would believe that it would be some type of buy. Like, hey, we're going to yeah. give you two million dollars to take your hotel. You want it or not? Exactly. And be like, bitch, this hotel is. I, I, I sell three rooms a night. Um, I am. Yes, take it, take it. I'm, I'm sure. I don't think they're going to be like, we're taking your hotel. We're not giving you no money. We're putting people in here. Buy. I don't think it's going to be that. Exactly. But also, you know, the thing is, it's it's the housing, but it's also, you know, thinking about why people end up experiencing homelessness. And, you know, it's it's a different answer for a lot of different people. But some of the main reasons end up being, you know, um, economic disparity. Um, People, for one reason or another, are um, not employable. They have mental health issues. They have addiction issues. And, you know, these are things that, again, um, we don't really see our government's taking a firm stance on, you know, we don't, we should be talking more about mental health and addiction and, and providing more services. Wait, wait, wait. mental health mm-hmm. and addiction? I mm-hmm. think I might be homeless. <laughs> oh my God. Well, um, we, well, buddy, well, I'd we love will to get find, you into we'll, housing. <laughs> we'll find the services for you. <laughs> Maybe. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You are just delightful. Thank you so much, Monet. And thank you so much, Lady and Bunny. I've had such a good time welcome. with y'all. Good. Yes. And go to Maybe a Girl and donate to our sister, especially if you are in the L.A. area and care about income inequality, mm-hmm. Medicare for all, the homeless, and all of it. And it's Maybe yes. a Girl for Congress.org. <laughs> So that was a really fabulous to have maybe a girl again one of bunny's uh uh uh, uh recommendations and one of bunny's friends that bunny has brought on this podcast so no i've never so, met her oh you never, never met her met before her. no oh, i just okay. knew about her from you know now this did a pro mm-hmm. video profile of her uh the advocate she's been you know she's made the news and you know listen it is a first you know first drag queen elected to public office it's, that's that's not nothing i'm gonna be the first drag queen elected to senate I'm, I'm calling it right now. Okay. Well, the Senate is the most corrupt body <laughs> of, the, of the two, so yeah, that would that would ch- check out. <laughs> uh, thank y'all for tuning in again. What uh, we we need to tell you to do this, and you guys have le- left us a lot of reviews and ratings, but please do not stop doing it. Go to Apple podcast not on spotify apple is the one that really counts i mean y'all can do on spotify too but apple's the one that really counts go to apple podcast and um give us a five-star rating on there and also write a review whatever you want to say if you want if you know what use the apple rating uh pod uh, review thing as your dating profiles to me okay if you want to fuck me your bunny go on there and leave us your information your profile what you're looking for and why you are worthy and we might choose you Oh, no, Beast, you just guaranteed a bunch of negative one or zero ratings <laughs> if it's based on who wants to fuck us, girl. <laughs> oh, speak for yourself, honey. I'm a mother tucking 10. Okay, speak for yourself. Uh, okay. Is that... Okay. <laughs> oh. Buddy, I'm going to miss you. You know what? These weeks without you really... Really, they just go so long. I'm so not dying yet. Yet, wait, wait, wait till, <laughs> wait, wait till, wait till that surprise I sent you shows up. You're gonna really oh, die. You're gonna fall anthrax? over. Anthrax. <laughs> Sorry, or COVID. baby. 
SARS. SARS. Oh, yes. Exotic. I, w- I went vintage. Where? <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, beach. <laughs> okay. <laughs>